Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our Minister Katrina is away on holiday all this week, so our service this morning will be led by Holly and a number of members of the congregation. Next Sunday morning, please don't come here. We'll be meeting at the Science Centre at 11am. If you want to join us there and haven't yet... So as Anne has said, our service this morning will be led by members of the congregation. I would like to just take an early opportunity to thank anyone who has volunteered or was volunteered to uh, take part in the service this morning. We begin with a moment of silence as we prepare to worship God. In this space and time, all of who we are is welcome and all of who we are is needed. You can bring the broken parts of you, the parts which strive to be better, and put them next to mine, as together we let them be shaped by the presence of God and formed into one body. Our opening hymn this morning is Father, Lord of all creation, and if you're able, you're invited to stand together as we sing. Yeah. 
opening prayer this morning comes from the We Worship book from the Wild Goose Resource Group. Let us come to God in prayer. Gracious God, if we came to your house, we would find the door open because there are no closing hours for the hospitality of heaven. If we came to your house, we would hear many accents, ours just one among them, for there is no favoured nation in the Commonwealth of Heaven. If we came to your house, we would see people who never thought they would be allowed in, had entrance been by merit rather than by gracious invitation. So as we gather in Jesus' name, Let the characteristics you cherish become evident in all we do and share together. Gather into one the glorious assortment of unlikes, which is your true church. Reveal within this community what we must do, what we must hear, and who we must become if we are to know Jesus among us. God, give us the grace to surrender our presumptions as to what we should do and then change our lives until we become the people you intend. We join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us in whichever language and version comes most naturally to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, 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 heaven,
This morning we will be thinking about what it means to be a church. And I thought just before we started and before the Sunday School left us, I would share with you what the Sunday School think our church is about. So, in Sunday School, um, the kids have been preparing to write an article for the key. And one of the things that they've been thinking about is what makes our church. They've drawn this lovely diagram for me to interpret for you which you won't be able to see from the back I can see Jeff looking over his glasses (laughs) you'll be pleased to hear that the the kids haven't said anything bad about the church (laughs) and that they understand that the church is the people it's our community they see us as a community where all are welcome and that we are welcoming to new people Their memories of the church include celebrations of Easter and they remember services where we've thrown coins in the air and waved palm fronds in in church in in this room. The Christmas and Nativity services, they say that we are a church of different cultures and different languages, that we celebrate friendship and fun and they've said some nice things about the choir but I'm not going to get into that. Another thing that the kids have been doing is um, making some... They're working together to write an article for The Key and some of the younger ones and older ones have been drawing some great pictures for us. And just before they go, I'm going to ask some of the choir to come and help me show you some of the pictures that they've been drawing for The Key. Not the choir, the Sunday school. So if I can have some volunteers from the front. I've got some... Lovely pictures. I think I possibly recognise that dog. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. So these are just some examples of the pictures that the kids have been drawing for their article in the key. And the Sunday School today are going to continue to work on that article and you should look out for it in the next edition of the key. Thank you.
first reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds all distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honourable we clothe with greater honour, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it.
I don't know if anyone's ever asked you why you're part of a church. For me, as a young person, as a person whose parents aren't Christians, as a feminist, as a gay person, I actually find this is a question that comes up quite a lot. Both from other people and, if I'm being completely honest, sometimes from myself. So I thought I would take this opportunity because I couldn't find a volunteer for this particular bit of the service (laughs) to try to answer that question honestly why am I a part of the church the church exists to be a living messy community of God's people I don't know if you've noticed but I managed to get the word messy into lots of prayers of intercession and lots of anytime I'm asked to say anything about the church it's one of the words that comes up a lot it's not a I don't mean it in a derogatory way, I think it's something about the real life among us as a congregation. As such, the church should be a place of unconditional acceptance, a place of true equality, a place where diversity is celebrated and anyone can be at home in the love of God. Church is meant to be a place where we discover unconditional acceptance and being part of a church should not hinge on believing the right things or conforming to some image of what a good Christian is. We are accepted because God, who knows us better than anyone else, loves us no matter what. Jesus broke down the barriers that divided people. He befriended Samaritans. He healed the servant of an occupying Roman centurion. God's acceptance is not on the basis that we believe the right things or achieve some unattainable moral standard or even become a member of an institution. God's church is open to all. Church is also meant to be a place that celebrates diversity and be a safe place for people to be different. I would be deeply suspicious of any church where everyone looked the same or even any church where everyone believed the same things and behaved in the same way. I believe that that's a true... Sorry, I believe that that's a sorry excuse for the true body of Christ. Where, as we heard Katrina read, every organ is different, yet contributes to the whole expression of Christ in the world. In the church, there's room for every culture and race to be valued, for women and men to work together as equal partners, for gay people and straight people to be God's people. Room for differences of opinion, different points of view, room for doubt, room for questions and room to change. God's church is open to all. The church is meant to be a community of healing. Thankfully, we don't all turn up at church because we're perfect human beings. We are a gathering of broken people seeking to become one body. We are a mismatch, messy word comes up again, of believers, doubters, dissenters, sinners, each grappling our way towards the mystery of God and helping each other along the way. The church is a place of refuge and of hope, a place of prayer, of laughter, of dreams and visions, a place of birth, a place of welcome and acceptance, a place of weddings and funerals, a place where parents bring small people and offer them to God, a place of parties, a place where we share communion together, a place of affirmation and new beginnings, 
a place of friendship, support and healing. God's church is open to all. I started the service with these words. In the church, all of who we are is welcome. All of who we are is needed. I bring to the table my strengths, my weaknesses, my successes and my failures. I let those sit alongside everything that you bring. And in doing so, they are transformed into the body of Christ. And that's why I'm part of a church. We join together in our next hymn, which I've forgotten what it is. The church is wherever God's people are praising. section here I've been asked to uh, explore a wee bit of what it is to be uh, a Baptist church. I don't know if you uh, are familiar with the programme, who do you think you are? Um, Matthew Pinson's uh, episode was quite exciting. He discovered he was related to all sorts of people, but uh, the key one was um, Catherine Howard, the wife of Henry VIII, who was executed. And through the Howard family to Edward I, and in the British Museum, there is a genealogy done for Edward I that takes him back to James, the brother of Jesus, and then to King David, and then to Adam, and to God. <laughs> <laughs> so, the question, who do you think you are, he was uh, given quite a dramatic answer to. <laughs> the, for the Baptist Church, who do you think you are is really pretty well anything you fancy being which as maybe explains or maybe uh, the genius behind its popularity as a brand, a Baptist church depends who you believe the the BBC gave me a figure of 40 million members of Baptist churches throughout the world, Wikipedia is putting out 100 million Um, it's a big big number it's it's probably about the fifth biggest uh, uh, Denomination, and so not Protestant denomination, fifth biggest denomination, Christian denomination in the world. But there are lots of uh, different uh, factions within that within that family. Um, 
I remember that topic, my sister asking my dad the question, who was the first Baptist, and I chipped up with John the Baptist. And I wasn't joking, uh, my dad laughed at that one. But I'd thought that John was a denominational <laughs> representative at the time of Jesus. But most modern historians would take uh, John the Baptist as being John Smith, who was a, an Anglican priest in just at the turn of 1600-1609. The Reformation had been, there had been lots of changes made, but people were still impatient with what what they saw progress was being made. Uh, A lot of people stayed in the Anglican Church and tried. they were Puritans and tried to reform within. John Smith was a separatist. He left the Anglican Church and set up his own. I said, who do you think you are? programme usually ends up in tears at some point and this may be the point where I think we may have a kind of founding father who was an English Brexiteer um, I don't think that's putting it too far, uh, too strongly, he definitely it was a separatist movement um, he went to Holland and started a church there he was followed by a guy called Thomas Helwes who kind of formulated a bit John Smith then left the Baptists, he wanted to be a met, decided, we did the shocking thing of baptising himself and he poured water over his head um, and called that his baptism. He then recanted from that and wanted to join a more traditional sect by the end of his life, but by that time the Baptists had got going and uh, really spread very, uh, pretty quickly in 17th century England. The they're, they're, Principal points at that point was that the Bible, not church tradition or religious creed, was the guide in all matters of faith. That the church should be made up of believers only, just and not all the people born in the parish. And the church should be governed by these believers, not by hierarchical figures like bishops. And that was strongly their identity. Thomas Helwes. Uh, wrote a lot and campaigned a lot on religious freedom and actually died in prison as a result of of his beliefs. After that, though, the Baptist creed spread a lot, particularly in America. There were a couple of big awakenings in North America and uh, in the north of the United States and the south of the United States. And then Baptist churches are really now in in large numbers in every continent in the world. The expression maybe has changed a little bit in that very much would be identified as a Baptist church. That was the name given to the early separatists by others. Uh, they didn't accept that word Baptist, but it, it's been accepted by us now. Uh, and so now the kind of principal difference is the baptism of uh, believers by full immersion, that baptism is only for those who can make a decision and that it is uh, by full immersion. And this would something that would be unite all Baptist churches the priesthood of all that is no one needs to stand between us and God I've seen that formulated as everybody stands every person stands before God in the light of their conscience Uh, that used to be uh, the Baptist Union statement, the statement of faith basically that was it I've not seen that formulation so much recently that it's congregational that we manage things on a congregational level and know but he's in authority to tell what congregation what to do. And uh, an important one was the separation of church and state, uh, that the legal law should not apply 
There should be no laws about religion and what religion people follow. Of course, that, that's, what's, that's what's brought people together. Maybe what divides people uh, and divides Baptists has been issues that have come up since then. For example, slavery would be a, an, obvious, an obvious one. Uh, some British missionaries uh, were leaders of slave rebellions and slave uh, and Baptist missionaries, uh, which ended up in a lot of bloodshed. The Southern Baptist Convention officially renounced its biblical support for slavery and white supremacy in 1995. I was shocked <laughs> to discover and, and made an apology at that point, but only in 1995. However, on the other side of that coin is that uh, in very recent uh, surveys, just less than 50% of all African Americans in the United States identify themselves as Baptists too. I did say uh, that modern historians uh, trace the Baptists as uh, from the 1609 uh, setting up of, in Amsterdam of John Smith's separatists. But before the 20th century, Baptist historians had tried to trace Baptist thought right back through uh, the church. And I think that is uh, to the time of Christ, but also including that time, are we, are we, question that was raised to me by this wee bit of research that I did, are we actually happy that we have jettisoned us, not a century, a millennium and a half of Christian thought and practice and worship and are only based on we think we are who we think we are from uh, 1609? Or is that, maybe that's something that's happening to us as a, a denomination that we're trying to uh, reconnect with that. I'll leave you with that question. So my um, part is to say personally why I am a Baptist Christian. A bit like Holly, it's a question that um, I discuss with uh, friends and colleagues and people I meet uh, quite frequently. Uh, The topic does come up. Uh, And it's also a conversation I have with myself quite frequently because I think if you're engaged in a a journey of faith, uh, you can't really do that without constantly questioning what, what you're up to, why you're, <clears throat> what you're doing. I have to say, first of all, a bit like when Tony Blair said, I wasn't born into the Labour Party, I chose the Labour Party. I'm the same. I was not born into a Baptist community. I chose uh, to be a Baptist Christian. I mean, worldwide, uh, followers of Jesus are uh, find meaning in a, a, an amazing diversity of traditions, some of which we know about, some of which we don't know about. Um, And these grow out of theology, of ecclesiology, of culture, of landscape, of weather. I mean, of of just human interrelationship, how how we work together. And all these different traditions sometimes are seen as a problem, but actually they have a good side. The good side is it allows lots of people to access the process of being a follower of Jesus in different ways which are appropriate to their personal circumstances, which may, incidentally, of course, change throughout their life, but it allows access, it allows an entry point to try and engage with a faith in a specific way which has meaning for them. And for me, um, growing up um, in my teenage years and connecting with the Baptist tradition, um, incidentally, 
with some people who have been members of this church, uh, now dead, like Robert Armstrong, and other people who are still in this church, like Ian Sinclair, um, there, was a, there was a growing process, and this is before I even knew Hillhead Baptist Church existed. I lived in Paisley at the time. And things that emerged for me to make me feel that I wanted to be a Baptist Christian were, were the following thing. The thing that Paul mentioned is really important. We have no creeds. Uh, unlike almost every other Christian tradition, perhaps except Quakers and the Salvation Army who are similar in that way, we have no creeds. We do not stand up and say, I believe this, I believe that, because we, t- we subscribe to a, tradi- a tradition which says, no, we are followers of Jesus and we interpret following Jesus through scripture and we interpret scripture in each congregation. So this church, Hillhead Baptist Church, reaches different conclusions to Adelaide Place Baptist Church, to Queen's Park Baptist Church, to Air Baptist Church. We all, and that's not just a theory, that's a practice. We are very different churches. Even though we say Baptist Church, we're all very different. Because the community that gathers discerns the, the, the meaning of the life of Jesus through scriptures for its own place. And that is hugely liberating for me. It means that Baptist Church should be a safe place to explore your own journey of faith. No one tells you what to think, and everyone has something to contribute. And we see that in church meetings. We see that in conferences we've had where we've discerned uh, um, the way forward on some very difficult topics. And we've done it together in community with that Baptist Declaration of Principle. Um, Paul mentioned how it was earlier. I'll just read out what it is today. The Baptist Union of Scotland's Declaration of Principle that the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Saviour, is the sole and absolute authority in all matters pertaining to faith. Jesus is the sole authority. And as revealed in the Holy Scriptures, in other words, it's Jesus that's the authority, not the Bible. But the Bible shows us what Jesus was like. And then that each church has the liberty under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to interpret and administer his laws. And within that, there's lots of other things that just made me attracted to this uh, way of doing uh, the following of Jesus. The separation of church and state is hugely important, as Paul has mentioned. The congregational government, there's no one in authority. The managers are not in authority. The minister's not in authority. The authority is the group of people gathered together. The point at which baptism happens is important. Some people call it adult baptism. It's not. Other traditions have adult baptism as well. Um, it is the point at which it is we baptise after we've made a commitment. Other traditions baptise and then that is confirmed as a commitment in due course. But I think that that is a useful way of looking at it. I've discovered over a lifetime of, of ecumenical engagement with huge other traditions, partly as an individual, partly on behalf of the Baptist Union of Scotland, that there is so much to learn from Greek Orthodoxy, from Syrian Orthodoxy, from the Roman Catholic traditions in all its dimensions, whether it's liberation theology or a very, very liturgical approach in, in, in Germany, um, from Methodism, from Episcopalianism, from Presbyterianism, from from Society of Friends, the Quakers, from the Salvation huge amounts to learn. But don't forget, they're also learning from us. Um, I think we sometimes forget 
that the insights we have as Baptists are held in great value by other traditions as well when we come together. And I have found that over the years, uh, that when Baptists withdraw from things, other traditions get very upset because they value our input. So for me, personally, it's a tradition that I am in because it provides an ecclesiastical structure because of the congregational government and the way we do things of a safe place to explore for all people, whatever their background. Our next hymn is about one aspect of that, and it is about uh, baptism. So we sing together, praise to God, almighty maker. to be Hillheads Baptist Church and I think the reason I have this wee section is because over 30 years ago now I was the person who was asked to research and write this wee book which is uh, the history of our church or an attempt to put together some of the kind of key strands of the history of our church which was founded back in 1883 and looking at it again over the last couple of days and just thinking about this morning's service there is one word that occurs again and again and again and runs like a thread through every moment of our existence since 1883, and that word is open. We were founded as what was called an open Baptist church. And the more I think about that, the more remarkable it seems to me that in 1883, quite against the run of things within Baptist churches, the small group of men and women who founded our church said right at the start, we are Baptists, we believe that we've got something important to contribute to the West End of Glasgow as Baptists, but any Christian is welcome to join us. It doesn't matter your tradition, it doesn't matter your background. If you would like to be part of our church, you are welcome. And it was an acknowledgement of the kind of thing that Brian and Paul mentioned, an acknowledgement that while we believe as Baptists, we have an important aspect of the truth. 
it's an understanding that the truth is way bigger than anything that we can hold within ourselves. And so that amazing group of people founded us on a principle that was not fashionable. There were then only a handful of open Baptist churches in Scotland, and I think there are fewer now than then. We were also open right from the start in that our congregation was happy to work with churches in this area from other traditions because it was the work that mattered. It wasn't the brand above the door. It was looking round our area. What needs to be done? How are we going to do it? Okay, who else wants to work with us on this? And as you know, we have had incredibly close working relationships, particularly with Wellington Church of Scotland, but with now, in more recent years, with the other Presbyterian churches of our area. And together, we have really worked together in harmony and, I think, often to good effect. And oddly, as the Church of Scotland goes through some very difficult times, we seem to be growing closer and closer together in this area. We've also always been a church that's open to people of all races. The very first thing I noticed when I came here at the age of 19 was that unlike my little um, church in Lark Hall, which I don't think I'd ever seen anyone from any other race, but you know, people who lived within four miles of Lark Hall, the minute you walked through the doors of Hillhead, there were people from every continent as part of the church. And that was a glorious thing to find. And that has been the case throughout. And the wonderful thing is that we now have friends in every continent. Students who have been here with us for maybe four or five years and have then gone back to their home countries and who keep in touch with us still and sometimes come back and bring their children and on one notable occasion their grandchildren so that these links continue around the world. And of course some people have stayed and our community here has been enriched with those who've come from other nations and have stayed and become part of this congregation. It's also always been a church that's been open to people who are searching and questioning. Although we practice believer's baptism, that's never been the entry point if you want to be part of this congregation. Where better to explore questions? Where better to explore doubt than in church? It's the obvious place. And that's always been possible in Hillhead. We've never been forced to conform to a particular set of beliefs, but honestly to explore what it means to each one of us to follow Jesus. And in the times when we've had doubts, we've been sustained by the faith of others in the congregation. And when our faith is strong, the doubts of other people keep us real and stop us from thinking that we know it all. We've always been a church that's been open to both women and men. One of the first people to be a woman in leadership of this church is in the room today, and that's Lilius. And I don't know if Lilius will remember this, I don't know whether the date sticks in her mind, but it was 45 years ago today that Lilius was elected as a manager, as a deacon of this church. And within Baptist churches at that time, that was unheard of. And yet Lilius had that position. 
It was a wonderful thing. Because in that very same time, when we were coming to this church as teenagers, some of us from, from another Baptist church, when we were just a couple of years later, Elias, asked to become deacons, our home church told us we were wrong to accept. That was the kind of view that there was of women within Baptist churches in those days. So Hillhead has always been open to both men and women and to women in leadership. And of course it was Hillhead that fought so hard within the Baptist Union of Scotland for women to be accepted as ministers. And it's not deliberate that we happen to have the only woman minister in Scotland. It's coincidental in in one sense, but in another it's right because the generations before me in this church led that battle within the Baptist Union of Scotland. And it was a battle. Um, It was hard, and it took a long time to bring the Union to that discernment. So in all these ways, we have been an open Baptist church since 1883. It allows us to be our true selves, We don't have to squish ourselves into somebody else's box of what it means to follow Jesus. And when we fail, this is the place we find forgiveness. I thought I would end with just um, a quote from, I think it's the early 70s. Yes, it's 1972, the year that you were elected um, a manager, Lilius. This is our then minister, um, the Reverend Kerr Spears, describing what he hoped we would be. And you see how you think we measure up to this today. We will be a congregation embracing rich and poor and everything in between. A communication of the gospel that reaches both sin and doubt. A pattern of church life that holds in balance outreach and fellowship. A family of people that holds out the hand of welcome to visitors and strangers. Yes, so why am I a member of Hillhead Baptist Church? Well, why church? Why Baptist? And why Hillhead? I was born into a Baptist chapel, as we call it back home, uh, in rural Pembrokeshire, which of course is the heartlands of Welsh Baptists, as it was in those days. And I started going to a Baptist chapel as a toddler. Part tradition, part expectation, part duty, and part enjoyment as well, to be fair. And eventually, part respect and admiration for the people around me, not just immediate family, but some inspiring individuals within that chapel, about whom there will never be any books written or any articles written, all long forgotten, but their influence lives on. And eventually, they became the belief of things unseen, and I was baptised at the age of 14, and at the age of 14, I was absolutely certain about everything, including St. Paul, let me tell you how it is. Uh, I would be absolutely certain about everything in faith, Baptist or otherwise. And then the first challenge really came at the age of 18 when I moved away from parental influence and, and went to London as a student. And there found another church that I spent many years in, 15 years, still Welsh language and tradition church, about whom I developed very good friends and some of them still are those who are still with us. And I'd never heard of Hillhead in those days. 
I'd heard of it once before I moved to Glasgow, and I always thought Hillhead, that's the place where Roy Jenkins won a by-election. That's my only time I'd heard of Hillhead, before suddenly I found myself committed to moving to Glasgow in 1996. And I remember walking down from the Morano Street student village where I was put up, walking down to the Western Infirmary, and I saw a sign that said, Hillhead Baptist Church. And I'd spoken to a Baptist minister of my acquaintance in London before moving up, and he said, oh yeah, I went to holiday to Glasgow and I went to a service once in Adelaide and once in Hillhead. Try out one of those two was the advice I was given. And on the first Sunday I was in Glasgow I turned up to Hillhead in the morning. This was quite different from what I'd been used to for all 34 years of my life. I'd grown up with the um, non-conformist hymn sandwich. Hymn, reading, hymn, prayer, hymn, sermon. 30 minutes minimum. (laughs) And a hymn to end. Um, I didn't know any of the songs or the hymns, not that that helped with my singing voice, it didn't make any real difference. Um, And um, yes, I thought, this is strange. And at the end of the service, quite a few people, many of whom are still here today, came and spoke to me and I thought, yeah, it's a bit strange, but they're actually very nice. I came back that (laughs) evening. And I came back that evening and that was 1996 and I always thought I would be in Glasgow three years, maybe five years. And it's a bit of a surprise to find myself 21 years later still living in Glasgow. I lived in Glasgow longer than anywhere else, and I've attended Hillhead longer than any other church with which I've been associated during my life. So why am I a member of Hillhead Baptist Church? It has that welcome. It has that friendly community, not just with Hillhead, but with Wellington and other churches in the West End and worldwide. There's still that allows me to be certain in my uncertainty, Having known everything when I was 14 has allowed me to question things far more than any other time in my life and any other church I've been to. So there's, there's expectation, there's duty, there is enjoyment, there's respect and admiration for others as well. But it allows me welcome, tolerance, forgiveness, uh, certainty in my uncertainty, but still with that belief in things unknown. Uh, so thank you to Hillhead Baptist Church. And why am I a member? Why ever not? Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I feel as if I'm a bit of a spiritual mongrel. Um, Unlike Geoffrey, I was brought up in Church of Scotland. My family relatives very much based in Church of Scotland. I can count three Church of Scotland ministers, one Church of Scotland missionary, not to mention session clerks, treasurers, elders, and even my brother rang the bell at St Margaret's Knightswood on a Sunday morning. But when I started nursing training, and particularly through the Nurses Christian Fellowship, I began to mix with friends of other denominations and to learn about their traditions and their churches. And it was at this time that I witnessed my first believer's baptism by immersion. And it really made me stop and think, baptism, I was baptised as a child, as an infant, but what was baptism really about? And as I began to study and read and pray about it, I decided that I wanted to be baptised as an adult, as a believer, and I was, and at that point, or shortly after that, I actually joined that Baptist church where I was baptised. When I was working abroad, I could only join with other Christians in worship in English, my own language, about once every two months, once every eight weeks. And it was a case of joining with whatever church was available, 
in that place where I was staying for that day or weekend or week or whatever it could be. It might have been Church of North India, Church of South India. It could have been Baptist, Brethren, Methodist, Pentecostal or Roman Catholic. But just to be able to worship in your own language meant a lot. So I went to whatever church was available and learned a bit about different traditions. When I was back in Britain and living in the West End, there came a point when I thought I was going to another church, which was further out in the city, and I thought I really needed to look for somewhere a bit nearer home. And I started looking around the churches in the West End. And I would have been happy to move back to Church of Scotland if that had felt to be the right thing. However, on Monday, Thursday in 1999, I found my way to Hillhead Baptist Church down in Cresswell Street for the Monday evening communion service. And I had hoped to slip in quietly to the back row and sit there on my own. And I was warmly welcomed at the outside door by the late Dr Edgar Ferguson and shown into the church and ushered to join with the others who were in fact sitting right at the front round the communion table as a a community of God's people. So much for being anonymous in the back row. I was lovingly invited to join in the communion service. The next day, Good Friday, I went to the three-hour Easter vigil service and through the the mixture of readings and music and silence and at that service, as we meditated on the Good Friday story, I just had a real sense that I had found my spiritual home and that this is where I should be in Hillhead Baptist Church. On Easter Sunday, I was back. That's three, three days out of four in the same church. I joined the joyful Easter service and I've been a part of this congregation ever since. One of the first hymns I learned at Hillhead Baptist Church was the one that where the chorus says, All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. And this is where I found that welcome and that acceptance. It's been a privilege over my life to worship our God of diversity in many ways and in many situations and I am thankful to this church community for welcoming this spiritual mongrel. Thank you. 
join in our prayers for others. We see your church in all its humanness, standing in divided witness still, struggling to understand the gospel for this day and for this place. Recreate us, O God, and send your liberating spirit. Each one of us in our own place, God, sees the need and hears the cry of humanity. Let those who will lift up their prayers for the church and for the world. We keep a time of silence as we pray for those situations known to us. We see ourselves, O God, people of faith and of faithlessness. Dancing in the sun one day and overwhelmed by reality on the next. Sometimes joyfully announcing the gospel and other times trembling in uncertainty. But we see the hope that lies among us. The hope that we could care and live in community with each other and the world. Give life to this hope in us, God of community. Bring to us a celebration of all that is. God who calls us from death to life, we give ourselves to you. And with the church through the ages, we thank you for your saving love in Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our worship with our offering.
In this space and time, all of who we are is welcome and all of who we are is needed. We bring to the table these gifts of money that they may be used for the work of this church and of your church. We join in our closing hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. to make the service so special and we join with saying the words of grace to each other. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.